0: Hello, everyone. This is Michael Jaco with Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast. Join us as we reveal how you can become the master of your reality. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Jaco with Unleashing Intuition Secrets. And I'm joined today by my son Michelangelo Jaco. He's done probably about a decade's worth of study into the music industry, being a musician himself. He's got a lot, of, a lot of background. So we're going to dive into corruption within the music industry, and I'm just going to let him run the show. So Michelangelo, thanks for joining me today. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Thanks for having me. Obviously, I am Michael Jaco's son, and I'm his biggest fan. <laughs> right. On. We basically have a lot of the same, or probably all of our views are exactly the same. And basically, a little bit about me is I've been a musician for the longest time, Basically, Jimi Hendrix was my favorite guitar player growing up and something about the way he would play with so much soul. It just uh, connects to the spirituality realm very well. And it basically it brought me to I started to investigate how you could heal with sounds and vibrations and music and stuff like that. And stuff like that really interests me a lot. So so I've been a musician for like 10 years. I've played live, a lot of live shows and stuff. And it's been my uh, biggest dream for the longest time. But, you know, I've had a, a lot of roadblocks in life that, and you know, a lot of experiences and a lot of lessons that you get, you know, peop, everyone goes through in life. And uh, so basically right now is the point where like, I feel like I've, I'm free from a lot of, uh, all that, and I'm trying to really put out my music these days. And like my dad just said, I've been I've been studying music, and basically how the deep state controls the media and the music industry to basically control your consciousness and try to control the way you think. And um, we're gonna dive into that basically. So yeah, that's be- that's
0: amazing. So I, I remember we would have discussions about this because you, you really were a student of music on many different levels. I remember one time you told me that rap music, the reason why they had rap music was to enslave black men into the prison system because they, they had a lot of money invested in the prison system. So they created this radical rap music to like inflame the black men and make them violent so that they could enslave them into the basically the prison system i was like wow that's pretty out there and then i started doing the research too and you're like oh my god it's it's like you're on it but you even went further back so let's take a deep dive all the way back into uk opium wars all kind of crazy stuff like that so let's let's go back there and build a foundation for all this
1: cool absolutely yeah we have to build this foundation it'll help you guys understand everything To understand the story, we have to understand how the CIA is actually using drugs as weapons against us. And you'll understand how musicians basically directly or inadvertently suggest drugs to us. So basically, in the 1600s, there was a company called the British East India Company. And I have a lot of notes here because my mind is very scattered. So just stick with me on that the world's first leader in opium profiteering. Opium is used to create painkillers like heroin and morphine. This company received their opium from two places, the Golden Crescent, you know, the Middle East, Afghanistan, sounds familiar, and the Golden Triangle, Vietnam and Thailand. And many families partnered with this company to gain vast wealth, power and political influence. So this is where a lot of the families got their start and a lot of the deep state got their start in trying to control the world and, and their agenda for world domination and controlling consciousness.
0: Awesome. When you say families, any families in particular that you're referring to?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I've got a couple that I'd really like to highlight, like the Rockefellers, the Vanderbilts, Andrew Carnegie, JP Morgan senior was involved. What else was there? There was wow. one Called the russell family they were the most wealthy family in the british opium trade and they intermarried the russell family came to america at one point and they intermarried with a lot of other wealthy families such as like the jp morgan and uh, andrew carnegie and the vanderbilts and all these families eventually uh, created the ivy league colleges uh i can't remember where andrew carnegie Mellon Institute is or that college is I think it's in like Massachusetts or something like that but he created that one and then Yale uh Yale's very important because it created a lot of secret societies and the CIA yeah
0: so that's that's fascinating because we we know that a lot of the uh, universities are basically instilling you know dark information into their students and it it goes back to England as well doesn't it
1: Yeah, it goes all the way back to England and then today how basically the, you know, the educational system, they say like the histories written by the winners and stuff like that. They're just trying to share their version of history and it's everything is just this psychological mind control game. That's their favorite thing to do. It seems it's not it's all like secret And they just love to play this psychological game with everyone. It's just secret and you believe that it's your thoughts, but they're making you believe that these are your thoughts, but it's actually, they're pushing you in the direction of where they want you to go. You get indoctrinated in the school system.
0: Yeah, definitely. So the opium, so you're talking opium. So I know that the British East India Company was in China too, where they transporting okay. opium into China and
1: absolutely. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That was, that was my next point. Excellent. Basically, China was trying in the mid 1800s, China was trying to ban all imports of opium. The mid 1800s, they actually had two wars with Britain, Britain and China fought two wars and Britain actually beat them both times they made China relinquish their ports and trade. And this caused a crippling epidemic of opium and addiction in China. Wow, epidemic. Um, It kind of mirrors like what's going on today in America, with their wars in the Middle East. We'll get to that later. But uh, they kept shipping opium to China well into the 1900s. And uh, yeah, that's how they gained their extreme vast wealth and that lays the foundation for all these secret societies
0: yeah i've i've seen uh articles where queen victoria during this time frame was the biggest drug lord in the world at the time so uh, a lot of the silver that made england wealthy came from china because they had to buy the opium with silver
1: yeah opium was like and, and still today, uh, basically what we're going to talk about this entire time is how drugs are the lifeblood of the deep state. Cause nice.
0: Wow. Okay. Good. The
1: entire timeline is just selling drugs. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. The information you're sh- you're sharing is like, I don't even know a lot of this stuff. So that's great. So roll it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cool. I'm going to speak some more about the wealthier families here. Mm-hmm. The wealthier families begin to... Uh, gained power and influence, and in it led them to start three major programs for shaping society at home and abroad. They actually founded the eugenics movement, which is kind of like, you know, the Nazis. It's desirable traits with reproduction with certain races and stuff. A lot of people know a lot about that. They formed the CIA. So these Ivy League colleges and secret societies, such as the Skull and Bones at Yale, Skull and Bones was formed in 1833. And the CIA wasn't formed until, I think, 1947. That's what I read. But these secret societies and wealthy families actually created the CIA and put themselves at the top so that they can control everything. And along with the CIA, they also initiated the Project Mockingbird. This is to gain vast influence over people's beliefs and thoughts through control of the media. And the CIA actually spent tons of money, and they continue to spend tons of money, on foundations that fund all the well-known american writers and artists for several decades after its 1947 inception they did this to control the way americans thought and acted and they continue to do this so i'm going to pull up the screen in a second but the wealthier families bought up a majority of the media organizations in the 19 teens to have a monopoly on media they Mm -hmm. have it to the point where today six companies control 90 percent of the media Six companies control 90% of what you read, watch, or listen to. And this is very important going forward. And I'll share the screen so you guys can just get a good idea uh, or I can show you what companies control. Six companies control everything. We've got, I guess this is General Electric, News Corp, Disney, Viacom, Time Warner, and CBS. Hmm. So, like, just a, co- uh, a couple decades ago, it was 50 companies in the 1983 right here. But in, ni- in 2011, and now it's 10 years later. So, who knows how much control they have now. But that mm-hmm. same 90% is controlled by six companies. Wow. And, you know, they control basically, it seems like almost every single news station you go onto is controlled by the left. hmm they, you know, assert their agenda on everyone that way. And uh, people believe that the mainstream media is like their word is law. But, you know, me being more of an alternative person that doesn't like the mainstream pop music that comes out, doesn't like the mainstream news that comes out. People like us look elsewhere for their news. And that's what other people should do.
0: Excellent. Very good. I remember back in the... Uh Late 60s, you know, the news when I was growing up, the news was good to a certain extent, mostly. And then like you're showing that right there, there's like 50 different companies. I believe back in the 60s and 70s, it's probably a lot more, probably, you know, a thousand different companies. Then they started to, uh, you know, consolidate, uh, buy each other out. And like you're saying now, it's down to uh, six companies or who knows, maybe even less, because like you're saying, this is uh, 10 years ago when this study was done.
1: Right. That's what I wanted to bring up, too. Since, uh, obviously, you're older than me, you'll be able to maybe share some of these talking points I talk about going forward within the decades, like the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Since their inception in 1947, they started something a lot of people know about for some reason that's supposed to be secret. But, you know, this is one of their most famous secrets mk ultra in the 50s with the cia mm-hmm. uh, To be precise in 1953 have started it was uh, basically a mind control experiment involving many psychotropic drugs but mainly hallucinogens like lsd lsd was another way to control the thoughts of the world it was a giant experiment on many different scales basically they would use a lot of different artists and activists and musicians to sway the minds of the youth and free thinkers and population into using this drug and LSD was basically everywhere in the sixties and seventies. And I'm drawing a blank right now, but one of my favorite speakers that you've had on the show, a lot of times he says, LSD stands for Lucifer, Satan, devil. Yeah. Like
0: yep. Yeah. I believe that's Brad Olson to so Brad Olson, uh, you know, talks in depth about this and talks about the Nazis and so forth and how they came over into America a time frame where you're talking about where the cia was formed 1947 and stuff so they had a program to bring over the nazis supposedly for the space program yeah. but they brought over doctors and engineers and by the thousands and a lot of people thought it was just a uh, you know a few dozen for the nasa and stuff but no they, they snuck a lot of people over from nazi germany and and the uh the bush family was involved in all that too
1: yep We'll talk about how the Bush family's involved with bringing in drugs too. Yep. It just it just goes on and on and on with, with their drug game. It's it's ridiculous. The CIA brought over so many Nazis, and the CIA helped bring the Nazis into South America and yep. find them like little secret homes in Argentina and yeah, places like places so that they can continue their experiments. And the CIA could keep their little tabs on them and make them work for them. It mm-hmm. was crazy
0: operation paperclip it just came to my mind what that uh what that operation was to bring over the nazis but yeah you're right i mean there's there's huge villages down in uh, argentina and other places down in south america that looked like bavarian villages i mean why would the argentinians build that they didn't the nazis came over with all their wealth that they stole from europe and the jews and other you know races and uh brought it over other groups and uh you know so it's uh it's becoming very, very obvious, but these guys have master plans. Yeah. Like you're you're starting to talk about the drug industry, you know, hundreds of years ago. And now it's coming to the forefront with the uh, the music industry, like we're talking about here.
1: Yeah, exactly. And if you want to get really deep into it, you can read about Admiral Byrd's account of like how the Nazis are in the inner earth.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, in Antarctica and stuff. That that even goes even deeper into the rabbit hole. But let's keep talking about the music industry because everyone loves music. So let's let's talk about that. So around this time in the 60s and 70s, America was in a war in Southeast Asia and Vietnam. The CIA had covert operations there for the opium to ramp up heroin production. They brought in so much heroin to the USA As you're starting to see, there's a huge agenda to get the population to use drugs of all kinds. Also, during this time, they assassinated John F. Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy, MLK, Malcolm X, all political figures that went against the CIA's agenda at the time. The deep state are obsessed with social control and they will kill anyone that stands in their way. They'll suicide them, make it look like a suicide, which happens prevalently throughout all kinds of musicians, like mm-hmm. Chris Cornell, Kirk Cobain was murdered, John Lennon was murdered by the CIA, Tupac was murdered by the CIA. It's so much. It's so obvious if you just if you yeah. just do your research. All these musicians, and, and that's happy. good
0: that you're you're talking about research because I know you're just not just flinging out these names that the CIA is involved with because you know me being former CIA, I know how these guys operate. So Absolutely. you're right. I know you do incredible amounts of research. So mm-hmm. for you to sling out a name and say the CIA was involved with it, I know that you've done deep research in that. And we'll we'll talk about some of those names later on. So you're you're building an excellent foundation. Very, very nice job. So I, I know at some point you're gonna talk about music rhythms and you know, all that kind of stuff because you've you've studied that in detail. So that that'll be kind of interesting when you get to that. So but keep going. Yeah, cool. so other people in the chat are saying Janice Joplin, Jim Croce. So you you know all about these. I mean, you you could put together like a list of probably about a hundred people. It's incredible, huge list. Yeah,
1: yeah. I've been like, this. I'm obsessed with music industry, <laughs> uh, music history, and I have so many books. I just ordered another Jimi Hendrix book about how he was uh, murdered. When I was doing this research last night for the show, I was like, mm-hmm. God, I got to get this book. Nice. Uh, we'll talk about that actually very soon. Let me look at my notes here. It says, in the 60s and 70s, now we're getting interesting, U.S. intelligence started putting on an ever-increasing stock into rock musicians to directly or inadvertently promote drugs for them. In the mid-60s, the CIA was directed to give LSD to British musicians in London. LSD found its way to groups like the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, and Jimi Hendrix. An interesting story in 1965. This is really cool. I don't know. Uh, of a lot of people know this but george harrison for the beatles actually his dentist invited him and john lennon over for dinner one night and while they were over there the dentist and his wife spiked john lennon and george harrison's coffee with lsd just spiked it without them knowing Mm. and that was the first time they ever tripped on lsd and it's speculated It's not like deep in fact that maybe they're part of the CIA, but we'll get into a better story here with the Rolling Stones that has actual facts involving the CIA. So John Lennon was furious about that. They were 1965 in Britain. It was very new. LSD was a very new drug. So two years later, a man with the name The Acid King, David Schneiderman, convinced Rolling Stones singer Mick Jagger to try LSD for the first time at a party at the home of guitar player Keith Richards. Out of nowhere, police came and arrested Keith Richards and Mick Jagger on drug charges, but did not arrest Schneiderman, who had tons of drugs on him. Hmm. Later in 2010, in London's Daily Mail News, so this is even in mainstream news, a mainstream news article, Schneiderman confesses he set up the Rolling Stones for a drug bust, and he was in the FBI and MI5. So you can see how I'm not just like making up some crazy, weird world domination thing. Uh, The CIA and FBI have their paws in the music industry because culture and music influences the world. It really does. If you can see how like the decades change it, you can see a direct change between every decade where music changes and the music influences everyone. 80s with their, like, hair and spandex, 70s with their headbands, D and hippies, and then the 90s, you know, it just goes on and on. Music influences Mm -hmm. the way we think. Basically, his mugshot was all over the news, so that showed the world that, hey, the image of rock and roll is changing into a drug-taking culture of bad boy, cool image landscape that a lot of people wanted to emulate. That was in the 60s.
0: Why do you think they wanted to do that? Is there more control that they can exert when people are influenced by drugs? Is that the reason why? Or is, what what is what is the ultimate aim of all this drug use they're trying to influence people with?
1: Well, on one hand, it makes them rich. It brings in a cash sure. flow for Absolutely. the deep state to continue ah, their operation. Yep. That's very important for them. Like I said, it's their lifeblood, the drugs, they continue selling it to us. They profit off of blood, death, every which way of addiction, The, the rehabs, the pharmaceutical drugs to get you off the drugs. It just keeps going on and on. And, you know, it disorients, sedates and depoliticizes people because they don't care, you know, they don't want to. I don't know, you know, they just want to
0: just protest being manipulated like they're like we're being manipulated right now. So, uh, yeah, it makes sense because, yeah, I've I've seen when I was in uh, Afghanistan because you brought the Afghanistan up and the British, you know, using the drugs from Afghanistan long ago and having (laughs) wars in Afghanistan. The Russians went in Afghanistan so they could get the drugs and use the drugs. They still do. Hasn't stopped. Russia still gets drugs from Afghanistan and also America wanted a piece of that pie and they wanted to steal it from the Taliban and al-Qaeda. So that's ultimately why I believe we went in to Afghanistan to get that drug trade, just like we did in Vietnam. And very similarly to Vietnam, how we exited Vietnam, we exited Afghanistan almost similarly. It's all CIA operations. So having been in the CIA, working in the CIA in Afghanistan, I started to see that there was very early on, After we first came in, I started to see they're ramping up, controlling the drug trafficking.
1: Absolutely. I believe the exact same thing. The spoils of war in the Middle East was heroin. It was opium, heroin. Absolutely. And interesting enough, at the same time, as we went into that war, all of a sudden, there's this huge epidemic, opiate epidemic, and all these people are dying. All these people are addicted. You know, it's just mm-hmm. affected families across the world, not just the USA.
0: Yeah.
1: And just like in Vietnam, we were getting heroin there. And as we left, we left all these weapons and stuff there and in a trade for their heroin, basically. And just like in Afghanistan, we were flying in with weapons, arms. And we were flying out back to America with heroin. That's just how we've been doing it, I guess, since Vietnam. And
0: good point. Good point. Yeah, because we 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 all know that we left eighty-five billion dollars worth of uh, arms there, and that's you know so the arms companies got rich, got Mm -hmm. rich big time. And they don't care. They just leave it, just leave behind. Exactly.
1: Because they
0: already made their money. Outstanding, man. You're you're kicking it. Good job.
1: I am deep into this stuff, uh, just like <laughs> just like you are, you know.
0: <laughs> yep, good research. All right, I know you have a lot of uh, stuff lined up. Now, let let me just throw something in real quick. Yeah. Somebody asked me in the chat, or asked you actually, Leonard Skinner. Do you think Leonard Skinner was taking out the band <laughs> Leonard Skinner? I don't know if you're familiar with him.
1: Uh, I love Leonard Skinner as a whole but I do not know their history very deeply. So I I literally can't answer that question. So as an intuitive,
0: I'll tell you guys, I think they were, I haven't done the research in Leonard Skinner, but you look at how many of these bands die in plane crashes. It's over the top,
1: right? And it's not
0: because these guys are are jumping on planes a lot, these little planes, because these little planes don't crash at that rate for everybody else. But they do crash, like, unbelievable percentage-wise for bands. So it's definitely something that's going on. It's the way they take these guys out if they get out of of hand. So you want to talk about that? So I know you – I remember you as a little kid. You were talking about how these guys would come in and influence guys that got out of line. It's like, Mm -hmm. hey, you better get in line or we're going to kill you.
1: Basically, we're actually just about to get into that. Okay. Uh, that happened with Jimi Hendrix a lot.
0: I know you talk that's remember that's the first guy you talked about.
1: Jimi Hendrix. That? We're literally yeah. so we're in the sixties and seventies with LSD. We'll talk about Janice Joplin just for a second. Let me okay. get to these notes just for a second. The CIA was trying to deflate the political potency of youth rebellion in the sixties and seventies. The main reason for LSD was you could argue was to disorient, sedate, and to depoliticize a whole generation. Like I just said. The CIA continues to use rock stars in the 60s and 70s and musicians to promote drugs. Listen to this. This is cool. Janis Joplin actually had a boyfriend that was in the FBI that she did not know about. The FBI had a file on Janis Joplin, and the boyfriend actually got her addicted to speed. And then she got hooked later on on heroin. And right before a couple giant concerts for peace, and she was going to give tons of money against the Vietnam War effort. She died from an unusually potent batch of heroin. Joplin's sister insists that the CIA had arranged for Joplin's death. Wow. So just like Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison and Jimi Hendrix all died within a year of each other at the age of 27. And the 27 seems to be like a sick game that they keep playing. Mm -hmm. I don't know the true meaning behind 27, one time I asked Tracy if she like knew what the big deal about 27 club was. And she was like, two plus seven is nine. Maybe they're the round table, the nine.
0: It's a completion number. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyways. uh, So the media painted Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin and Jim Morrison as rampant drug users. And, you know, people continue to want to emulate these people and, you know, they want to use drugs themselves. So Jimi Hendrix's manager actually inserted himself into his life and was part of the MI6, the British intelligence. Uh, the FBI had Hendrix under constant surveillance. I love Jimi Hendrix so much. I've done tons of research. He was yeah. such an advanced soul. He uh, was talking about how notes, musical notes, correlate with different colors and how they correlate with your chakras how vibrations heal people he talked about atlantis and lumeria in his songs he talked about like in the 60s like before like that was like a big thing in any way he was talking about that stuff so he was just so far out there but not just on lsd because he quit that stuff in 69 he quit drugs basically in 69 because martin luther king was assassinated and you know he was trying to You know, do black rights for where a human race as a whole, not like races divided, you know? So that's what he was trying to do. And the FBI had Hendrix under constant surveillance. COINTELPRO actually targeted Hendrix. That was a program for surveillance and assassination that led to 28 Black Panthers being murdered. In those documents, they learned Jimi Hendrix was put under a security index by the FBI, him and everyone else under the security index were to be rounded up and put in detainment camps under the guise of a national security. Hendrix was becoming very political and had many political projects planned. This is what I was just talking about earlier. Hendrix lat this is really interesting. Hendrix's last girlfriend wrote a book and was going to release the truth about everything a year after Hendrix's death. But Hendrix's manager actually threatened her, do not put that book out or I will kill you. She ended up releasing it in the '90s, 25 years later. Within a year of releasing the book, she was found dead from a suicide.
0: Oh my God!
1: Like really? So I actually uh bought that book last night. I was like, oh, I gotta get that book. Oh
0: uh, yeah, that sounds good. I gotta tell everybody. When you were uh in high school in Sedona, you you played "Star Spangled Banner." Jimi Hendrix, we know that how he oh, played yeah. it. He played it like epically, and yeah. you played it like. It was like the best I've ever heard. It was pretty amazing. At, yeah, the homecoming, at the homecoming game, yeah, that was pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, on the football field, I just like, yep. went out there with my uh, Strat, just like Jimi Hendrix and a mm. uh, Marshall Amp, and played the Star-Spangled Banner. Yeah, I've been playing guitar for a long time. My uh, YouTube will probably be at the bottom of this channel. And if you want to check out my…
0: Yeah, definitely, we'll put your uh, links in here, definitely. My music, it'll be there. Hello, everyone. I'm Michael Jacob. Join me on Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast, where we'll uncover the hidden parts of our human potential and propel you to new heights of existence and consciousness realms. As a former Navy SEAL for 24 years and CIA security officer for 11, I have been involved in aggressive combat training and operated in combat zones for well over 35 years. From Panama, Kuwait, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Yemen, Libya, and Lebanon, I have honed my leadership, tactical, combat skills, and knowledge expertise to a master level. As a little boy, five years old, I wanted to be a Navy SEAL after watching the movie Navy Frogman, I also looked at the movies and read the books of Ian Fleming, 007, James Bond. I wanted to be that when I grew up, and I was always inspired by entrepreneurs that helped humanity and brought about great change that furthered the consciousness and abilities of humankind to master levels. I always wanted to do that. The first two I did to an extraordinary level, and now today as an entrepreneur and speaker reaching millions all over the world, Now I'm sharing the information that really propelled me. When I was a chief enlisted officer, I motivated, led, trained, and provided inspiration and insight to officers of all ranks, all the way up to flag level, and even the Secretary of Defense for the United States. With my operational background, planning, master training, and course design abilities, I have trained thousands and thousands of military and law enforcement personnel, and now I inspire and train millions throughout the world with my intuitive insights into the workings of the human mind. I and many listening to this message are living proof that each of us have amazing potentials far beyond what most consider possible. For me, the impossible is what I strive to always master and excel at, and as a Navy SEAL and in the CIA and combat zones, I did the impossible over and over and over again, and now I want to help you do the same. Tune in to Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast, and join the growing tribe as I show you how to unleash your own hidden potential.
1: Let's talk about how Jimi Hendrix was murdered real quick. So they wanted to uh, say that he died from heroin somehow. That was in the news in the very beginning. And then it changed to he choked on his vomit from sleeping pills and wine. But if you look into it, the first responders had no idea why he was dying. They couldn't find a, a reason to put on his death certificate why he died. So they just put asphyxiation. So they said that he choked on his vomit. But if you look into the autopsy report, he had no wine at all in his stomach and Mm. all the wine, a massive amount was in his lungs. Mm. And actually his manager in the MI6 just a year before had taken out a million dollar insurance policy on Jimi Hendrix. So if there's wine in your lungs and none in your stomach, that means someone held you down and somehow around
0: you. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's speculated. And I believe that's what happened to him.
0: Oh, no, no, no question.
1: Absolutely. You know, my intuition, I follow my intuition for a lot of this, the stuff I research, mm-hmm. uh, especially on Kurt Cobain's death. Mm-hmm. And uh, it guides me to figure out like what, exactly happened to these people outstanding uh, he was absolutely murdered absolutely murdered uh, yeah, so-
0: I remember when you told me this many years ago I was like oh my god absolutely yeah there's no question there was no question in my mind the evidence was overwhelming and I'll let everybody know that when you have conflicting stuff like Michelangelo was talking about you know first he said it was heroin overdose and then he said he basically had too much wine and you know vomited and died that way when you see multiple stories that come out whether it's a musician dying or whether it's a, we'll, we'll call it a black flag, because if you say another thing, then you get taken down pretty quick. But let's say a F flag, <laughs> you know, that, that happens. Maybe somebody goes out and starts shooting someplace up. And then you have multiple stories. I saw this. I saw that. I, I saw three people there. And, then, you know, all these different things that come out, it's basically to wear you down. There's so much fake evidence that comes out it wears people down like we're you know like you're talking about if if you're doing a lot of drugs you just like don't care so it gets to people to the point where they don't care anymore there's just so much conflicting evidence and information they go ah he died he's gone let's let's move on so that's that's their intention too
1: exactly oh you know we forgot to talk about jim morrison a little bit uh i want to share the screen real quick this is just really interesting, and you, know, you can form your own opinion about this.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's
1: what I wanted to do. But if you look right here, this is Jim Morrison, a clean-cut Jim Morrison as a boy, kind of like me and my daddy right there. This is my dad, basically, in uh, the Naval Admiral. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, this is Jim Morrison, and this is his father in the Navy. Um, this Naval Admiral was actually commander in a fleet what was it called? The Tonkin, the Gulf of Tonkin. Gulf of Tonkin incident, yeah. The Gulf of Tonkin incident actually helped start the Vietnam War. A lot of musicians like Lenny Kravitz, his father was in the army. A lot of musicians happen to be, their father was in the military. Like it, it's, it's a mirror of kind of like what's going on here with me and my father. They actually say Lenny Kravitz is Jimi Hendrix's uh, next life. Yeah, they reincarnation, kind of, yeah. His reincarnation, mm-hmm. it's, um it's really interesting. I can see that. Yeah, I absolutely say that, see that. Mm-hmm. And it's their names sound kind of similar. Jimi Hendrix, Lenny Kravitz. It sounds like it works. Oh, yeah. They like they make the same music. It just makes sense. But this is really interesting here. Jim Morrison's father started the Vietnam War, and then this superstar rock star comes out. And we were going to talk about this, Jim Morrison's house in Laurel Canyon in Love Street. There was basically a CIA base in Laurel Canyon that was the biggest enclosed movie studio ever. It had everything. So uh, some speculations say that basically they created a bunch of rock stars there. They created a bunch of movies. They created a bunch of propaganda there. That's basically what happened here in Laurel Canyon. It's still like a really big secret there's a lot of speculation as yeah
0: there's a black lives matter person that is the head of blm that has a home in laurel canyon and i did a (laughs) show on that and that was not well received so (laughs) i don't know if we'll be able to keep this up on youtube but uh, it'll definitely go on rumble but yeah keep going just share away now, Jim Morrison, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but remember Jim Morrison died in a bathtub. There seems to be a bathtub thing that the, yeah. these evil people like to play games with, like Whitney Houston died in a bathtub, and there's other people that have died in bathtubs or been in bathtubs and were almost died in a bathtub and then got God and became spiritual singers. They, they went away from uh, you know the, all the rock or you know, dance music, whatever they were into. So that's that's very interesting what what do you, What do you think about all that what what's going on with the uh the bathtub stuff
1: I'm not exactly sure about the bathtub stuff. I remember as a boy, I asked this question and I asked it to you and Tracy and uh Tracy said that basically Tracy is just a wealth of spiritual information, so are you basically, she said that the bathtub seems to be some sort of portal
0: portal that's right there you go, okay yep the
1: bathtub is a portal somehow yeah and I'm not. Too keen on what exactly the bathtub means, but I know there's something there you know i just like you it's a very it's just a strong point in my mind like what is with this bathtub stuff that's going on yeah
0: so <laughs> you're we're on to something here because a lot of you guys if you remember keanu reeves right he's in the movie Constantine exactly. so he would drown himself and they'd have a rope on him, so he'd drown himself so we could go into hell and rescue people and right. rescue their soul so there is something going on there obviously
1: yeah there's some deeper meaning going on there um yeah. i'm definitely gonna dive into that after this but uh I... talk about some more stuff uh we're we're going on to john lennon now mm-hmm. john lennon becoming increasingly political through his time but became a recluse for a while and went on a hiatus did he go into hiding When he did come back out in 1980, he had multiple records ready to come out and he had many political projects as well as a strike march with dock workers. That same year, when he comes out of hiatus, Mark Chapman fatally shot John Lennon that year. Mm -hmm. There's a guy called Fenton Bresler that actually investigated his death for seven years. And he came to the conclusion that the CIA used like an MK ultra techniques on him involving psycho hypnotic drugs and hypnosis techniques, the CIA made Chapman murdered Lennon and it's, it's really sad all these murders, but um,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I I saw some more stuff on that too, that Chapman was also a friend of the Bush family. So
1: yeah. And the like door holder that night at that hotel uh, was part of the CIA and stuff like that. And that door holder had trained Chapman in shooting and that same door holder had given Chapman hollow point bullets that was found in John Lennon that killed him. So it's like, you know, come on, guys, do your research. It's so obvious. You can't refute this stuff. These are facts.
0: Yeah. Very good. Very good. Good, good research on this stuff. What other artists do you want to focus on? I know you got got some ones that you wanted to focus on. We've got about another 10, 15 more minutes.
1: I'm just going to talk about the 80s real quick and the music invest in the prison system. And then I'm going to talk about Kirk Caban a little bit. Nice. Be so in the 80s, the music industry actually invested in the prison system. This is what I told my dad when we were uh, living in Sedona, when I was in high school, when I was really diving deep. The music industry actually invested in the prison system and they had this big meeting you can look this up. Had this big meeting to discuss the direction of rap. Rap it had drug selling, drug using, gangs, violence, turf wars, East and West, divided people. Like it was just charged with all this stuff that, you know, the deep state just loves, obviously. So, what I'm trying to say here is when the music industry invested in the prison industry, came out with rap music in the eighties. And today rap music is the biggest force of music. I don't know why, I mean, it's cool in some regards, but you know, there's a lot of different other genres of music that are more intelligent. There's a lot of factors into the music that they put out into the mainstream. They're trying to dumb down people. They're trying to make people extremely sexually charged because it's very misogynistic. It's very materialistic. It's very egoic. This music is, it just, if the human race as a whole could choose music that would be on the mainstream, it would be more intelligent. It wouldn't be this. Anyways, that's my opinion, obviously. So in the 80s, rap music comes out. And the music industry invested in the prison industry. And so they're trying to push rap music so hard yeah, I'm selling drugs on the street and I murdered my rival, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, you go to jail for following the stuff that is your heroes. And now the music industry is making double money because you're on, you're in jail and you're listening to the music that they put out about rap music. So at the same time in the eighties, all of a sudden they flooded the streets and cities of black communities Not just black communities, even white communities with cocaine and crack. So the government used this drug to sedate and divide the masses. Drug sales led to gang wars. It's just all bad. It's all bad. It sucks. I want to talk about Tupac in just a second. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Actually, let's talk about him right now. So Tupac was actually trying to stop gang violence and was the son of a Black Panther activist who used acupuncture to cure addiction. Wow.
0: Oh, my God.
1: He used acupuncture to cure hundreds of people to cure their addiction. And Tupac's dad was falsely charged with masterminding a murder and is still serving life in prison. Hmm. So uh, uh, he was actually part of the Black Panthers. So Tupac is the son of two Black Panthers uh, activists. And Tupac was writing a peace treaty between all gangs and... West and East Coast was trying to unite these people between the West and East Coast
0: mm-hmm. and it
1: killed by the CIA because they couldn't have this. They needed gangs, violence and drugs to be sold in the world to profit off of all the evil blood and pain. That's wow. the white blood of the CIA, the deep state. They need to sell these drugs, the destruction. They profit off of all this disgusting stuff that shouldn't be in the world. But they just keep pushing it hardcore, and they have the money to push it harder than anyone else in the world, so that it's still there.
0: Yeah, and now, yeah. now the prison systems are mostly filled with black men, so it's very frustrating, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I totally agree with you. With the you know which music you choose to listen to is going to make an impact on your life. Uh, that's that's very very obvious going forward. What do you recommend as far as music?
1: Basically, I kind of. It could even be rap whatever resonates with your with your soul the most you'll find it you have to look it's not going to be in the mainstream you have to talk to people music is like a journey you have to like kind of find what works for you and once you find it it's like this feeling of ah there it is you know mm-hmm. like it just makes you feel at one with yourself and the universe it just feels good. It should feel good. It should give you a sense of enlightenment, euphoria. It should uplift you. Like I said, I want to suggest a specific genre, but I can't because um, uh, yeah, I, I
0: agree with you because I've heard I've heard rap music that I I agree with you that actually was inspirational and it exactly and it's I think it's more of the uh, the the chords, the vibrational chords because I've seen music where. I remember these black men, they're like dre- all dressed up and they were singing like this spiritual music. And I was like, oh, my God, these these men are amazing. You know, I just felt so much love and stuff. And then there was a pastor said, now watch this. And he changed the musical note just a little bit. And, it, and I was like, I was like pissed. I was like, these freaking assholes. What the hell? And it's like, oh, my <laughs> God, just from that beat, you know. And yeah. you you could you could feel it in yourself, you know, you could feel yourself, you know, go into a negative state of consciousness. And I was like, oh my God, that's how that's how powerful changing a musical rhythm is.
1: It really is. I have a example of that. I do not condone drugs, but my friends, I mean, we're on marijuana, it's not a big deal, but my friends were on weed. I was changing the music channel on them from blues. And they would calm down. These two, we were kids. So, like, they're like 13, maybe, like, still, like, really kids, a lot of energy. They would calm down to the blues music. Then I would change it to metal. It was like, stuff like that. And then they would start, like, running around the room and, like, moshing. Music has an absolute effect on yourself at a cellular level. Mm-hmm. Vibe, their vibrations from even the Bible, they say the very first thing was, Everything was created with the word of God. So word is vibration. So Mm -hmm. that's very important there. But we're running out of time. So I want to talk about a little bit more. This is my favorite topic here. It's Kurt Cobain. Nice. Um, The CIA continues to fly huge amounts of arms to the Middle East and fly huge amounts of heroin back the late 80s. So all of a sudden, Cobain comes into the picture. Kurt Cobain the biggest musical force on the planet in the 90s. Absolutely, biggest rock star, biggest musician ever. So this is obviously, he's put on a pedestal. Evidence supports that the CIA psychologically profiles rising musicians. Nirvana lead singer Kurt Cobain fit the bill to inadvertently help promote heroin. He had only tried heroin a handful of times from 1987 to 1991. In 1991, Nirvana released Nevermind and they became the biggest rock stars on the planet. During this time, Courtney Love entered his life and according to multiple people, influenced Cobain to use heroin daily with her. So I've read multiple books, including Courtney Love's father wrote a book. I read the whole book in like a week because it was so good. It was called Love Kills because her name is Courtney Love. Her own father believes that Courtney Love killed Kurt Cobain, her own father. And he he details her whole life, how she's just this evil child growing up all the way through and through stabs people in juvie when she's like a teenager. It's just like she's horrible. And basically in the late 80s, she wanted to be a punk rock star. And in the late 80s, punk rock was huge in Britain. So she actually found a CIA operative CIA. This is a, this is a, Oh yeah. She goes to Britain with a bunch of acid and gives a bunch of acid to all these different groups trying to, you know, like fit in blah, blah, blah. So she was part of the CIA inadvertently or maybe directly, who knows, Hmm. but she was with that CIA operative going forward. And basically, the scene in the 1990s was overwhelmed with rock stars that were rumored to be doing heroin or were doing heroin, helping further the CIA's plans to promote drugs, especially their first love, opium, and heroin. Kirkubin ended up dead, but it wasn't a suicide. He was murdered. The heroin in his system was enough to kill many people over. So let me share the screen because we're running out of time. I want to show you a couple things and talk about certain points here. So, Kurt Cobain had the highest amount of heroin in a gunshot suicide in history. There's only one case in the entire history that sort of come close to his. He did so much heroin that if you did it, you would have died on the spot. You wouldn't have. You can't pull the trigger. And plus, he put the needle back on the cap and put it in his drug kit. There's just no way. So, I want to talk about a couple factors that a lot of people don't talk about. You might have heard. A lot of different factors in why he was murdered. But this one right here, basically, the rusty gun tells no lies. So there's new bombshell evidence that shows, you see this, in 20-something, 2015 or 2016, they reopened the case for like a split second and showed, look, hey, we have the shotgun that he killed himself with. So if you look here, there's blood rust on the gun, but it's not All the way around. So what I know, it talks about it in this report. If he faded the shotgun, had remained untouched in the dark time. Let me just talk about what I know. So basically, blood rust, 20 years after blood touches steel on the gun, it will blood rust. Okay. So blood rust shows a lot of evidence on guns. So basically... If you look at his hand there, it doesn't show a clear picture, but you can find a clear picture. His hand wasn't like this. So a cadaveric spasm when you shoot yourself, suicide, you clench up. Your hands will clench up. Mm -hmm. But his hand was just like this when he shot himself, right? So there was no cadaveric spasm indicating there was no suicide. It means he Uh was dead before the weapon was discharged in his hand.
0: Oh, absolutely. So
1: you see that there is not blood rust around the whole weapon. So if there was blood rust around the whole weapon, that would indicate a cadaveric spasm because his hand would be perfectly gripped around the end of the weapon. And, you know, the, the hot gases would heat up his hand and burn and blood would come out, blah, blah, blah. So we see that his hand was just like this and there's not a full circle of blood rust on the gun obviously indicating there was no cadaveric spasm and cadaveric spasms happen when you kill yourself with the suicide because you're clenching up. So that is a surefire, obvious murder there. That's just one thing. And there's so many red flags. That's just one thing right there. We can dive deep into this. Me and my dad talked about doing another show later. We'll dive deeper into this later. Right here, Let me read this real quick. Marine's death investigation proves Kurt Cobain was not holding the shotgun. So there is a copycat murder here that is just like Kurt Cobain's death. So this guy, this Marine, Colonel James Sado, or Sado, basically was murdered. I think he had some sort of evidence against the CIA or not, maybe not the CIA, but the military or something like that. I can't mm-hmm. remember right now. Basically just like Kurt Cobain, when the gun discharged in his mouth, it did not penetrate through his skull in any way, did not penetrate through the skull in any way mm-hmm. because there was no blood pressure left in his body. So usually wow. the skull will because right. blood pressure in your body and the gases in the blood and all that stuff will just cause your skull to expand and find a point that it explodes. But when you're dead, there's no blood pressure so that it doesn't completely perforate. It just slightly like, you know, just ends up somewhere in your skull and they proved this case perfectly. They proved it was not a suicide and it was a murder. So Mm. this is exact copycat case. And there was a full investigation, luckily, on this guy, Colonel James Sado, because he had family in basically the the office of what do you call it? Investigating deaths or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Kirk Cobain, they didn't do any investigation.
0: Yeah, or and there's 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 a lot on that. I mean he so much. He, he, it wasn't the way the gun was situated and I mean, we, we can go into a lot of stuff, and that's that's what we'll do on the next show. And we'll yeah. talk about other stars that were pretty much executed as well. And we'll go, we'll go down the list and, and how they use, a lot of times, the same techniques. Crash sites, I've looked at some of the crash sites. We can maybe go into that a little bit. Yeah. But the, the crashes, airplane crashes, yeah. if you're on a runway taking off, which a lot of these these people, they, I think what they do is they just rig the plane so it just runs down the runway and just crashes, but everybody dies. Everybody's dead. Yeah, there was one where somebody was, was still alive and they got to the hospital and they died at the hospital. Imagine that. And then the same thing. They have like conflicting evidence, conflicting stories, and all kinds of crazy stuff. So yeah, when we get together next time, we'll go into greater detail definitely about Kirk Cobain. Cause uh, that's, that's fascinating. I mean, you're, you played a lot of Kirk Cobain's music over the years. That's I think that was like the first song. One of the first songs you learned was a Kurt Cobain song, wasn't it?
1: Oh, I learned to sing. Absolutely. Kirk Cobain.
0: Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, this is, this was a nice deep dive on uh, this information. I know we talked about it, you know, many times over the years doing something like this. So thanks a lot for coming on and, and uh, sharing this information.
1: Yeah, I loved it. It was a good time. We should do another one, and we'll do another deep dive into this music. Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, we're definitely going to do another one because there's so much more information to come out. I mean, you just surface-skimmed Kirk O'Bain's death, and when we go deep into that, everybody's going to be, holy hell. There's so many many people involved in covering this stuff up. That's another thing we want to look at, too, how many people get involved in covering all this stuff up, how many people like Courtney Love are involved in all this. So I remember she was at a music event her her star was rising very rapidly and they were giving her award and everybody at the show screamed and yelled that she murdered Kirk Cobain and that was the end of her career. So everybody's very aware of all this stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thanks for sharing this information. Thanks for everyone that came in and uh joined us and yeah, we'll we'll definitely be doing another show because there's so much more to disclose, so much more to share. Look forward to seeing you guys next time.
1: Thank you very much. It was a great time.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast. Until next time, stay in the love vibration as you continue your journey to become the master of your reality.